Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We're going to try to do this in tandem. Um, so this might be great. It might be terrible. I think we'll all find out pretty quick. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah. So uh, whenever, uh, yeah, I mean, we have the same notes, but we'll, oh boy, it's a lot of pages, guys. Buckle up. You might be here a while. Well, um, a couple of Wednesdays ago, um, I was asked, I mean, we, we've had this on the calendar for a while now, and I was asking Jill what she was going to want to preach on, because I already knew what I wanted to preach on, and it, they were almost the same message. And so we're like, all right, we're going to give this a shot um, in tandem, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. So uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to John 14. You want to do the flipping there? I'll do the flipping. So we're going to talk about uh, living a lifestyle of peace. Okay? So when we talk about a lifestyle, obviously that means uh, you're committed to something, right? Um, A lot of times, you know, and I'm terrible at this, but, uh, you know, you start a diet and then you fall off the diet. It's not really a lifestyle, right? You're You're just trying something. It makes you feel good for a little bit. And it might work for a little bit. But it's not really your lifestyle, right? It's not really your heart, and, and you fall, fall off the wagon, so to speak. Yeah. But living a lifestyle of peace, that's something we really shouldn't let go, right? Because right. peace is something, it's invaluable. We were talking as we were preparing for this, and not that I would have to choose between the two, but if I have to choose between peace and prosperity, I'm taking peace every time, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather be broke and settled and rooted and grounded mm-hmm than to be uber rich and just miserable every single day. Um, So you you can't put a price on peace. It's so important. So um, in John 14, 27, um, these are red letters, so pretty important. Um, It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so I was, as we were talking about this, I was coming at it from, you know, the fear angle and not being a slave to fear and not letting fear call the shots in your life, not letting it have an impact in your life. She was coming at it from the more positive angle, peace. <laughs> the peace side. The peace side. And so they're basically the same messages, but I'll, I'll start off talking about um, the last half of this verse. This is going to be our text verse. Um, so at the end there, it says, neither let your... Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many know fear is a tool of the enemy? Yes. Amen. That's one of his favorite ones, especially nowadays, right? There are limitless things to be afraid of or to be afraid about, right? But we don't have to be because of what we're going to talk about today in God's promises. And so I'm not going to tell the whole story. I know I've told it before, and I think almost everybody's heard it. But I was, as I was thinking about ways that fear maybe has impacted my life, or could have impacted my life. I was thinking about whenever I wanted to ask Jill out, and I think everybody knows the story. I knew months ahead of time, you know, that we that she was going to marry me, and she had no clue, right? No idea. No, no idea. And so, you know, God had told me that, and so I just had to hang on to that. I just had to sit on it because it, the timing wasn't there. So months and months went by, literally thinking about this every single day, knowing that knowing what's going to happen. And so finally got a flyer in the mail, you know, that Doc Barclay is going to be here, right? And what better excuse to come see her 
than to come to the Doc Barclay meeting. So I knew I was going to try to talk to her, right? I didn't know if I was going to like just full on ask her out because I didn't, I mean, we hadn't talked. I've known her since, you know, for years, years, you know, probably 15 years before that. But it's not like we had talked at all um, or, or anything like that. So to just come show up at a service and say, hey, what do you think about dinner Friday? You know, that's, <laughs> uh, look, if it happened, it happened. But that, I, that was best case scenario. So I was just going to try to talk to her. And so, um, you know, during that service, Doc Barclay gives a prophecy, if you want to summarize kind of what he mm -hmm. said to you. Um, so as I was leaving the platform, um, Doc Barclay had a word for me, and it was all about um, how the blessings would overflow, and it was closer than I thought, and, and I knew that the prophecy was about relationships. I had been seeking a husband and praying for a husband for years at that point, and um, was really at the point where I was like, I'm, when am I ever going to meet someone? Because like, it just wasn't happening. And, um, and so I knew that that prophecy was about a relationship coming. And so did I, I knew that I knew what that prophecy was about too. I'm sitting there, right? So prophecy fulfilled, right? <laughs> Pastor. I mean, you can't, I mean, the spirit was moving, right? It was moving. So I, so I have to sit through the whole service. Now that happens at the beginning of service and I'm just like, all you know, starting to sweat a little bit, starting to you know, freak out and, Service is over, and she's standing over there um, where she used to sit before we had kids, and now we're in the back. Um, but basically, she was sitting there talking to somebody, and so her back was to me, and, and I was just starting to stand there to a point in time where it started to become awkward, and so the heart starts pounding, and fear started to come over me, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're just going to show up and start talking to her to the point where I started to walk down that aisle. I mean, this, I can remember this like it was yesterday, just really, really fearful, afraid of what she might say. And as I'm starting to walk down there, I'm sure God is just rolling his eyes. Like, I mean, what else do you want? I told you about this months ago. There's a prophecy. She's standing right there. And I mean, he literally said to me, if you walk out of there, you're going to regret it. Okay. Now, I don't know. Maybe we would have eventually gotten together. Maybe not. Right. Maybe some weirdo starts entering the picture and, you know, <laughs> and tries to tries to sweep her off her feet. I, I don't know. Or maybe it gets delayed for a year. I mean, who knows? Right. But I'm, what I'm saying is you never want to make decisions that are based on fear. I knew what I knew. Okay, I knew what God had promised me, just like we know his promises in the Bible. And fear is going to try to come up and it's going to try to make you make a, a decision that you wouldn't make, an illogical decision. I mean, that would have been an, an illogical decision to leave, right? Because I, I knew why I was there and I knew what my life was going to be like. And I almost let fear, you know, keep me from, from going forward with that. So let's all turn to 2 Timothy 1.7. You're going to be the page turner during, during this section. So um, 2 Timothy 1.7. Let me know when you get there. All right, you're, you're way ahead of us. All right, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God have not, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So the Bible identifies fear as a spirit. So a lot of times I used to think of fear as like situational or maybe circumstantial, right? Where it's just the environment that I'm in is causing me to fear. 
And, and I guess those things are probably true sometimes, but there's an actual spirit of fear, okay? And so, you know, just want to share just a little bit of a personal testimony, probably, I mean, almost three years ago now, in the middle of 2020, I really started battling an actual spirit of fear. Never happened to me before in my life. I'm kind of prone to worry, just like, just predisposed to it, you know, just overthinking things, getting too wound up about stuff. It happens. I got a smile there in the second row. Um, and so at, at first when this started happening, I just thought, okay, you know, like I've always pulled myself out of it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to shake this. And, you know, there would be days where it'd be great and I'd be fine. And there'd be days when I'd slip back into it. And so it started to get to where there were more days where I was afraid than I was feeling good. And then it started to be where every day I was, you know, feeling fear to the point where I would wake up. I mean, almost as if I had set an alarm at 2 to 2.30, and my heart would just start pounding. In the morning. I, in the morning, yeah, 2 to 2.30 in the morning. I don't yeah. sleep in the afternoon. Travis thinks I do because I work from my house. <laughs> he gives me a lot of grief about uh, working from home, but uh, I work, okay? So 2.30 in the morning, thank you for that clarification. Yeah. I would wake up, I mean, just sweating my heart pounding and not really knowing at all what it was that I was afraid of. And, and that was, you know, pretty frustrating. So it became apparent that I'm dealing with a spirit now at this point. And this went on for months. I mean, almost a year. Um, and it really, until I got the revelation that this was a spirit of oppression, I, I wasn't able to fight it. Once I had the knowledge of what it was, how many know that a lot of times you need to know what you're fighting? right? That's important. People are like, well, you know, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to find out what he's going to say. Well, okay. I mean, you need to know what you're battling, right? And so it became clear that, um, that this was a spirit. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that, that helped me overcome that. And again, everybody may be fine, right? You know, but if you're dealing with something that's causing you to be afraid, um, you know, I can only hope that you'll pull a nugget out of this that, that, might, um, that might be helpful, maybe now or, or even in the future. So... Um, we'll go to 2 Corinthians 10.5, and we're going to hang out here for a little bit. So 2 Corinthians um, 10.5, say amen whenever you get there. Gosh, you guys are so fast. My goodness. page turner, I'm sorry. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How many know fear is an imagination, right? It's not reality. It's not truth. It's just really just images in your head. You're just making things up, or, you know, the devil's making things up for you. And so something that I, I thought was interesting is it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. I mean, you know, fear tries to make itself look bigger than God, right? And that's why you're afraid of whatever it is you're afraid of, because you feel like it's bigger than God. Now, you know it's not, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're not, the, what you have learned teaches you that it's, it's not bigger than God, but it certainly makes itself seem that way. And so as we talk about the, the ways to, to fight fear, we're just talking about imaginations. And I have Jill's permission to tell this story. It's, it's pretty good, okay? So... <laughs> When we first got married, um, you know, ne- never been around each other, 
for that extended period of time. So we don't know what kind of like weird sleeping habits each of us have, right? And so we're asleep, it's in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden she flies out of bed, okay? I sat, wait, which one? The pain. <laughs> okay. This is a multi-part story. I sat up on that one, I just sat up. Excuse me, shot I up, I remember. violently, okay? So whenever I'm asleep, like I'm out, right? Like, uh, and so she's, you know, sits up out of bed and tells me, Dustin, somebody painted our room. That's exactly what she said. Okay, now I'm not been exposed to this ever, okay? And she seems like a real reasonable person. So like, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe somebody did in there. So it turned out to just be a reflection that she saw on the wall of the room. But she was convinced that somebody, while we were sleeping, had snuck in and painted the room and could not be convinced otherwise. It took a few minutes, okay? So I'm, you know, her new husband, I'm just like, oh, no, it's okay. You know, nobody painted the room. Uh, you know, I can't even believe I'm having this conversation. And just, you know, calming her back down, and, and she goes back to sleep. And so, you know, imaginations, right? In that moment, it felt real to her. Mm-hmm. And for, like, about three seconds, it felt real to me, right? I mean, all right, let's go figure this out, right? Um, get the gun. Let's, uh, let's, maybe he's still here. We don't know, okay? Fast forward now seven years, right? Yes. Nailed it. Seven years, and just a few weeks ago, this time, shoots out of bed. Yes. Frantically looking for something. I mean, lifting up the covers, looking for something. And, like, I've been through this now a lot. And so I'm just like, (laughs) I said, babe, you're just having one of your spells. Go back to sleep. (laughs) Not a good thing to say. To someone who is half asleep and clearly distraught about finding something. I got angry at him and like in my head was thinking, well, when I find this, you are not going to get it. Yeah. I crawled back in bed and did go to sleep though. Yeah. Yeah. We never found what it was, but I guess the, the moral of the story is imaginations, they, they can seem really real. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the reasons I realized that my situation was actually a spirit and not any sort of like situational thing is because when I got free from it, I realized nothing in my life had actually changed, right? Still, I go to the same church, work the same job, marry the same girl, have the same kids, live in the same house. Nothing changed about my environment, but all of a sudden I was free, okay? So that's, that's a good way to tell, you know, if you, if you can't really even identify what it is and that you're afraid of. I'm just going to jump mm, in here. Yeah. One of the things um, when he was going through this, we would spend a lot of evenings just talking and just trying to work through, okay, what is going on? Because this is not normal. And I mean, even after talking and talking, it still, it was just, just hanging there, just constantly hanging there. I mean, I didn't even recognize that it was a spirit, but to just have that perpetual battle that we were constantly having this conversation, it should have been a red flag yeah. to both of us. Um, but it, it, it just kept coming back even after talking through, okay, well, what, let's get to the, the root of this issue. And what are you anxious about? What are you fearful of? And we would talk through, okay, even if this is the worst case like, let's talk worst case scenario. All of this stuff goes terribly wrong. We're still okay. Like, we, we're good. And that still wouldn't break that. And that goes back to what Dustin was saying, that fear is not logical. You can't rationalize yourself out of this. 
And you need to realize if you're in that cycle, whether it's fear or something else, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, if it's a cycle that won't end, you're dealing with a spirit. And this is not something that your own mind can break you out of. You have to go to the word. You have to go to God because that's the only way to break that cycle. And so, and uh, so I started to realize too, that I think I had a, you know, a lack of hope. How many know how important hope is, right? What is hope? Is expecting God's goodness, right? You have an expectation of his goodness on you. So in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And it took a while to realize the connection between hope, listen to that, hope, joy, and peace, all in the same sentence, so if you are feeling like you have a lack of peace or a lack of joy, you may actually have a lack of hope, right? Because if you're not expecting God to come through, if it feels like the situation's never going to get better, I don't know if anybody's ever been in a situation that feels hopeless, but that is not a good place to be, right? You feel like you have nothing you know, to look forward to. There's no end in sight. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, like they say. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick right? Not having hope in your life can, can really have an impact on you enjoying your life. I mean, God didn't put us down here to struggle, right? I think that that's a lot of people think, you know, it's just like, well, if it's, if it's God's will, you'll, you'll be happy and have a great life. And if it's not, sorry, you're just not one of the lucky ones. I don't believe that, right? I believe that we all serve the same God and, and he put us down here with plenty of ammo, Right? And plenty of uh, methods to enjoy our time while we're here. Amen? So in 1 John 4, 18, it says, again, still talking about fear, that perfect love casts out fear. Right? So if we truly understand God's love, we won't be afraid. So um, we have a lot of kids at our house. Quite a few. Scrapers, you know it. Right? (laughs) So, you know, thinking about how much God loves us and how we shouldn't be afraid, you know, like our kids in our house, like they're never like freaked out. Like, is there going to be enough food? Right. Are we going to have a place to live? Is dad going to lose his job or anything like that? Not, not one conversation have we ever had about that. I'll tell you some conversations we do have. Um, today I had to say, buddy, get your fork out of your ear now. Yeah. Those Multiple are the kinds times. of things. Yeah, those Multiple are the things times. we talk about, right? It's never like, Dad, you know, how's the 401k looking? Like, are we going to be, are we okay, right? It's never anything about that, right? And so if you have a revelation of God's love and how much he wants you to not be afraid, right? It says his perfect love casts out fear, right? We need a, a revelation that he only wants what's best for us. He only wants good things for us. And so we need not be afraid, okay? So um, as we talk about how to get out, how to get out of this, right? It's a, um, I've got written down here, you have to put up a fight, okay? So one of the things, you know, in my personal situation, like I just let it kind of kick me in the teeth for a while, right? Because I was thinking I'm going to, I'll figure it out, right? Like I'm, I'm going to get through this. It's, it's going to be fine. And so I just think about the amount of time, you know, that I lost just struggling with this because I didn't really put up a fight. And, and I like to win. I don't like to, you know, to lose ever, right? And so to just lay down and just let it happen, I mean, that's not cool, right? That's the, God, God didn't give us all the tools, and we just don't use any of them. Think of how frustrating that is, right? If, uh, 
Like, uh, I don't know, if, you, if you're on a job site and you've got a guy, you know, using a hammer to install windows, right? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, get it together. We've got all these tools over here that are just for this situation, and you're using a hammer, right? And you're breaking all the windows. So um, so faith, faith becomes really, really important here. And, and one of the things, um, and I think, Pastor, you said this maybe just a couple of services ago, that faith is always expressed in words. That's a, I've never really heard it said like that, but you can't think faith, you can't feel faith, but you can speak faith, right? So you have to give some life to your faith through your words, okay? So one of the things you have to, unfortunately, and it's going to feel maybe a little bit weird, and, and again, I don't know if anybody, you know, there may be somebody that needs to hear this, but you got to actually talk to your fear. Right. That's one of the things that I, I found. It feels weird. So, I mean, since I work from home, Travis, I'm all by myself. Right. I can just I could just speak to that fear. Right. And just start quoting scriptures. I mean, just loud and obnoxious because the fear was loud and obnoxious. OK. And so we have to take it seriously. And so speaking those words out loud in an authoritative way, I had to speak louder than the fear. So that that's the first thing. So just quote scriptures. OK. Loudly. All right, get, the, get it out of your mouth. You, just thinking about scriptures, you know, a lot of times when we think about meditating on the word, I don't know about you, but just like legs crossed, that, that sort of action, that's not really what it means, right? Speaking it can be meditating on the word, and it's probably the best way to meditate on the word is to actually speak it out loud. So, um, so I, you know, I don't know if you're taking notes, but faith is always expressed in words, so you have to speak the word louder than the fear. And okay. then one of the byproducts of speaking the word is you are preventing your thoughts from going back yes. to that fear, to whatever it is that is hounding you or holding on to you, because your brain is going to follow your tongue. Yeah. And if you're speaking, you're forcing those thoughts into captivity by doing that. You're forcing your thoughts in a direction that's a positive direction to break this rather than dwelling on that fear over and over and over, making that fear grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Now you have shifted your focus and you are looking at God and the truth of the word and letting that grow bigger and bigger and bigger in front of you. Amen. So the, it, it just, it works both ways. Yeah. And you so turn off the fear and turn on the faith. And so speaking the word is encouraging yourself in the word. And so one of my favorite stories, and it's got a, a pretty cruddy beginning, but a great ending is David at Ziklag, right? So everybody remembers the story. He comes back. He's doing his job, man. He's out there with the mighty men taking care of business. You come back home for a little R&R, &R and uh, everything's burnt to the ground, right? Your wife's gone. Your kids are gone. All of your employees are really mad at you um, because their houses are gone. I, can just, I can't imagine coming back from a business trip and Newberg's burnt to the ground and Jill and the boys are gone. They'd probably leave the dog. I guarantee you they'd leave the dog. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, yeah, this will get them real good. And so she's just a wagging her tail. It's like you did nothing. Yeah, I mean, you didn't try to stop them, you know. But I can't imagine what that would feel like to come back and everything you know and love is gone. And so if, you, if there's ever a reason to fear, and it says clearly that they, they were taken, right? So it's not like they came back and there were just bodies everywhere. They were gone. So now who knows 
what's happening to them. And so I'm sure at the beginning he was consumed with fear, but what does it say that he did? He encouraged himself in the Lord, right? And so that's what speaking the word is going to do. It's going to build up your spirit. It's not going to give your, your mind a chance to dwell on fear because instead it's dwelling on the word, okay? So another, um, another way that you can battle fear is to keep your focus on God by having a thankful heart. So Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise, okay? So fear can't exist where God's presence is, right? You can't have both in the same room together. And so as I was battling through this, like church, oh man, church was like a reprieve from it because it can't happen here, right? This is like an embassy, right? Nobody can touch me whenever I'm in here. And so I could, you know, duh, this is a spiritual problem, right? Um, It doesn't happen at church. That's so weird. Um, So it says here to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So one of the things I would do is just go through um, and just thank God for all the, all the stuff in my life. I have so many great things to thank God for. And I, th- I think you were going to talk a little bit about um, praise here because it says enter his courts with praise. Yes. Um, so praise, again, it just shifts your focus onto God. And, and I'm going to shift a little bit and just talk specifically about songs. Songs stick with you. And they will get stuck in your head, and they will play all day long. And Cocomelon, if uh, for all the parents out there, <laughs> it's brutal. But if you get a word of faith song stuck in your head, and you listen to that, and you sing that, if it's based on scripture, it's based on the word, you praise God, you sing that, you get that down in your heart, so that even whenever you're not thinking about it, you're still singing it in your head. That's a great way to still put, put fear on mute. It doesn't have even a second of your mind. It doesn't have a second of your time. And the power of that is immeasurable. You, it, it, it's unknown. We can't understand that because it's the power of God. And singing his praises and being thankful ushers in God's presence. You enter into God's presence through thanksgiving and praise. And so that's the best way to keep God's presence in your life all the time. All right. So we talked about uh, expressing your faith in words, um, having a thankful heart, fighting it with praise, right? And so there's some other just natural things that you can do too. Stay away from situations that cause you to fear, right? Now, I'm not going to look around in the room here. I know a person who Googles their symptoms, um, you know, in the, on the Internet. And I'm happy to report that this person is, has survived cancer, I mean, probably 25 times. So, I mean, walking miracle. And, and so... <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> what's it? Was, oh, just today. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just, yeah, she's the best. Um, she, yeah, she's so funny. Um, but anyways, yeah, staying away from situations that cause you to fear. You know, if you're afraid about the economy, you know, maybe stay off of like CNBC, right? Like, uh, like let's just give it a break for a little bit, guys. Um, you know, I saw it today. Um, yeah, don't look at it. It's not great. Okay. Um, if you're afraid of, you know, I, I don't know, what, whatever. If you're around somebody that always speaks fear, right? You gotta, you gotta stay away. You gotta distance yourself. And look, it may, 
it may harm a relationship a little bit, right? Or you could just be like, hey, do you care if we talk about something else? You know, like, uh, so I, I will confess, I know almost nothing that's going on in the world. And there, there's a balance to that. I'm probably on the wrong side of that. There's probably a nice in the middle of thing. Um, you know, Jill had to text me uh, months ago, there's a war going on. I had no idea. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty big deal. And I mean, I just am so disconnected from it. And I find that that works for me. Maybe it doesn't work for everybody, right? And that, that's cool. But, uh, you know, I, uh, ignorance is bliss, I guess. I don't know. That's, that's not in the Bible. Um, but, yeah, stay away from those that, that talk fear. Hey, guys, we're on page two. So, all right. I'm getting a little nervous. Getting a little nervous. <laughs> About time here. Um, so, yeah, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll end the, you know, the, the first half here. Just, uh, you know, again, when we're talking about not speaking words of fear. In Proverbs, it says that you're snared by the words of your mouth, right? Has anybody ever gotten in trouble by something they've said? You know, just not even spiritually, just, you know, I just said something yeah. stupid and, you know, it did not end well for me. I've, I've done that, you know, multiple times. I push it too far sometimes. Yep. Jill will say, I've been snared many a time by the words in my mouth. Um, the lesson has not been learned, but maybe starting now. So, so I'll just leave with this final thought, and Jill's going to kind of pick up with the second half here. But just like you give God's word power in your life when you speak it, you give fear power in your life when you speak it. Okay, so let's just make sure that we're speaking um, God's word. Um, I'm just going to continue on. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've said, I might we might go really fast through my stuff. Because um, a lot of what I've already said ties into truly living the lifestyle of peace, of God's peace. And I want to go back to John 14, 27. Can we get it on the screen, Scott? Let's go, Scott. Okay, so it says, um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And I want to focus on that section right there. My peace I give unto you. Perfect peace has already been given to us. Just like anything else that God provides in his word, it's there. We just have to choose to walk in it. Just like salvation. You didn't accidentally get saved. You're not accidentally going to live a life of peace. It doesn't work like that. You have to pursue healing. You have to work for healing. You have to study and know the scripture. Same for prosperity. Same for anything else that's in the word. Because... These are the jewels of God, and they're not just going to fall from heaven randomly. They're only going to come alive whenever you are digging in and pulling them out and applying them to your life. Um, so one of the things that Dustin had said as we were going over our um, message, he had said, walking in peace is God's promise, but it's our responsibility. It's on us, and you can't look to anyone else but yourself if you're walking in peace or not. Um, in 1 Peter 3, 11, it says we are to seek peace and pursue it. That's an action. You have to do something. And I looked up pursue, and um, here it can mean to run after or seek after eagerly. So it's not even just a, oh, when I get time, I'll do this. It's, it's an eager, there is an urgency to this. There is there's something to this that we have to be actively, constantly pursuing 
peace if we are going to live a life of peace. Um, and then in the next section of the verse, is it still? Thanks. Still up there. Um, the next section says, not as the world giveth. Not as the world giveth. The world is going to have its own version that it is going to offer you. And that version is going to be easier. That version is going to be appealing. And, I mean, honestly, it's probably going to be self-centered. Because that's where the world is going. Looking inward, looking to yourself. Well, have you taken time for yourself? Have you taken that day off work? Just it's time by yourself. Get away from your spouse. Get away from your family. You need time away. You need a you vacation. All of those things don't touch the root of the problem, and they start to poison the other areas of your life. Anytime you turn to yourself, Instead of turning to God, it's going to be a poison. That's what the world has to offer. And it feels great for a short time until you start feeling the results of it. And um, I just want to caution you to avoid that counterfeit piece. It's counterfeit. It's false. It's fake. There's no substance to it. There's nothing behind it. But God has provided us the real thing, the true peace of God. And um, we have to decide that we're not going to be content sticking with that counterfeit peace, sticking with what the world is telling us. And honestly, nowadays, the world is telling you that, yes, you should be fearful. Why are you not afraid? Why are you not anxious? Why are you not stressed out? Of course you're stressed out. So we're getting that constantly from the world as well. So yes, of course you're stressed. Yes, of course you're scared. Look at what's going on. Let's highlight all of these things and just compound this. And then here, here's our solution. Stay away from that. Get rooted in God's word. And that's the first thing you have to do in order to live this life of peace. We've been talking about it, setting a guard around your life, setting a guard specifically around your thoughts. Um, We are going to turn to, you can take this off for now, Scott, Um, but we're going to turn to Philippians 4. I'll let you do that. This is a very familiar verse. Well, very familiar verses, because we are going to read, we're going to read the whole section. Um, Chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. It spells it out right here, what you should be thinking on. If it is not one of these things, you should not be dwelling on it for any amount of time. You have to cast that thought down. You have to take that thought into captivity. And you have to set peace as your guard. You have to use peace as a filter so that no matter what situation comes up, no matter what circumstance, it goes through the peace of God first. 
so that by the time it reaches you, you are looking at it from the perspective of a victorious Christian, not someone who's going to be beat down and blown by the wind and whatever happens. You have already established your peace before the world can even throw anything at you. And that can be your filter to keep out the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the depression, whatever's trying to get on you, when you put up that filter, that guard, then you're protected. You are protected. And in Ephesians, Paul tells us to guard our feet with peace. The gospel of peace goes on our feet, on our feet. Because your feet are what come in contact with the world. Think about when you walk, what you walk through. Most of what you walk through, you don't want on your actual foot. You don't want it sticking to you, especially if you're walking in our backyard. You don't want that. So we wear shoes to protect our feet from the things of the world, to keep them from sticking to us and affecting our lives. In our house, putting on our shoes is the ultimate sign of leaving because that's the last thing we do before we leave. And it's the first thing we do when we come back is take our shoes off. And we'll say, well, are you ready to go? And Everett will immediately come running over to the bucket of shoes saying, shoes, 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 because he knows I can't go outside without shoes on. That's ridiculous. I must have my shoes on. And so we have to be the same way. We can't go out into the world without our shoes on and letting everything stick to us and affect us and hurt us. Use peace. Use God's perfect peace as your guard. And then um, finally, take control of the atmosphere in your home because that is the one place where you have absolute control. You get to decide what comes through the door. You get to decide what comes through the screens. You get to decide how your kids are going to behave at home. That is your domain. Let it be a place of peace. And one thing that is a really great way to um, figure out if your home is a home of peace, ask yourself, is this an environment that the Holy Spirit would want to dwell in? Or is this an environment that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit because there's bickering, because there's disrespect, because there's unkindness, because there's unbelief? Evaluate your home. Evaluate that atmosphere. Because like I said, the first thing we do when we come home, we take our shoes off. You shouldn't need that extra protection when you are in an environment that's already protected. So evaluate your home and make sure that the Holy Spirit is there with you. I'm just gonna reference Ephesians 4 verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And that's our goal for our home, is to have a home that invites the Holy Spirit, that is an environment that He 
wants to dwell in. And so just as we wrap up, you know, just want to encourage everybody to not let fear call the shots in your life. Amen. You need to put a priority on peace. Peace is a promise, right, from God. And we need to make sure that we're, you know, um, taking him up on his offer, that we can have peace every single day of our lives. And when fear is calling the shots, you're going to miss out on so many things that, that God has for you. Just enjoying your day-to-day life, for one, but making decisions out of fear. Um, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, like when, when Jill and I go to, to buy something, like we almost never buy it the first time we see it, you know, especially if there's any sort of like salesperson involved. Like we always just try to, all right, let's just you know, they get you all worked up, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to miss out if I don't do this right now. Um, you know, and two weeks later, it's still there. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we don't, we never want to let fear um, enter into our decision-making process and, and putting a priority on peace. I think it's just often overlooked, right? You just get in your day-to-day life and, uh, you know, like Jill was saying earlier, uh, you know, there's plenty of things to, to, you know, be fearful about and people just naturally accept that. And, and that's just not God's best for you in your life. And, and I think you'd be happier, um, you know, if you, if, you know, going back to that scripture, um, just understanding who your hope is in. And Pastor, just as, again, we'll wrap up here, um, a great um, series years ago about hope, talking about the world's hope versus God's hope, right? And um, you know, a lot of times the world's hope is just kind of like luck almost, you know, like, well, fingers crossed, right? I hope it works out. Uh, you know, at, at work we say, you know, hope is not a strategy, right? Like we're, and we mean luck, right? Like we're not, we're not just going to like sit on our hands and, and just, uh, you know, wishful thinking that it's all going to come together. When we're talking about God's actual Bible hope, it is like, I just expect him to come through, right? And- no matter what, I just expect that he's going to come through for me. And it it affects every area of your life. It affects how people view you. When you live a life of peace, it's obvious. I mean, look at at Pastor and Miss Phyllis. We were talking about them as an example. Like they are the picture of a life of peace. From our perspective, everything that we see, they're always calm. They're never shaken. They're never concerned or worried about how it's going to end. They are firm they are constant and you can see that it's evident in their day-to-day life not just when they're at church but everywhere they go and that's what that's what god has promised us that everywhere you go you can have that peace you don't have to be shaken you don't have to be moved you don't have to be rocked back and forth you can stand strong in God's peace, and in the hope of what He has given us. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.